0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. And we're ready. Here we go. Live here on Pet Life Radio and uh, on Instagram. Ask the Vets. Dr. Jeff. And, um, um, oh, so we have a couple questions coming in already, which I love. So anyway, here for you, here for your pets. Easy to get a hold of me here. You can either reach me at Pet Life Radio, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or join us here live. Just go to shows. You're probably on it already. If you're listening to this, click on the Zoom link and you can join us live here on Instagram. You're again, you're already here. Just go ahead and, um, Type we error. Got a couple of questions coming in. Uh, oh, I got three questions. Good. This is great. Hang on a second. So uh, one thing is I'm drinking my coffee. <laughs> my son and I always have this, and I, I'm going to want you guys to chime in. This is nothing to do with pets. This is just, that's uh, a morning coffee, morning Java. So here I am drinking my coffee in my new cute, adorable mug, as you can see. And I've always been a curry guy. And my son got the Nespresso. And he says, how can you drink that curry?" So they got me a Nespresso. So I want to, <laughs> I'm just curious. If those of you who have done both or have both, as do I, which just what do you like better? Do you like the Keurig or do you like the Nespresso? Just just curiously, because my son, Brandon, is convinced Nespresso, hands down. I don't like it both, but I do like so I like the Nespresso. It's pretty good, too. Anyway, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Which one do you think is better? So let's go to some of the questions I had. First one was, how do dogs learn? It's so interesting. First of all, dogs learn through repetition, using words, using the same words. And also what keeps them excited is positive reinforcement. You got to be very careful because we don't want to negatively reinforce any behavior. And oftentimes we don't do it the right way. We're not doing willfully where we're getting them to not like it. It's just our gut reaction. You see them doing something wrong. First of all, you have to quickly decide what is wrong. Is it interestingly, is the behavior the wrong behavior or is the object or location of that behavior wrong? But the behavior is fine. For example, when a dog, a puppy especially, starts peeing on the carpet, what do we do, right? Well, that's the wrong thing. Why? Because going to the bathroom is normal, naturally essential. You can't say no. The goal there is to move the puppy to a place where it's okay. Early on, it's usually a wee-wee-pad. A wee-wee-pad is a diaper. Uh, it's just a diaper. It's just ease of your cleanup. Unless you and I say, those of you in West LA know, if you're on a Wilshire high-rise and you have a little teeny dog, and you want to train them to go on a wee-wee pad, maybe in the balcony, then you could praise them. But if you ultimately want to get your dog to go outside, whether it's a yard or whether it's on walks, then you don't want to praise them for going on the wee-wee pad. You put it down as the diaper. You're, it's just, It's just giving them a place to do their business. And that's all it is. Where you do praise them, and I mean really praise them, is when they go outside. So learning is using easy, usually single-syllable words are better. And sometimes you put a word to behavior. For example, when a dog sits, a lot of times we'll do the hand signal or and or the word sit. And when they do things that you're trying to teach them to do, and they do it just randomly on their own, give the word to it and praise them. All right. And they, again, want the positive reward. So it's really just patience, repetition, positive reinforcement. and um, And that's how they learn. Let's face it, dogs want to please us. So when they do something that makes us happy and we go, oh, it's a good boy, it's a good girl, and give her a treat and they want to ke- continue to do it. Uh, what's the best ingredients for frozen treats for dogs on hot days? Well, really the ingredients depends on the dog. Um, but if they, whatever they like, if you can freeze it, then that's the best for that dog. But certain things like there's certain fruits that are okay for dogs to eat. Of course, dogs like protein. They like meat. Giving them a chance, that's why I always joke. You you know, you're a vegan, you're a vegetarian, you want to make your dog a vegetarian. Ah, not so fast. Because if you filled up your best vegetarian meal on the planet that you love, or you maybe not love it, but you've become accustomed to loving it, because you're not eating anything else, then then you give that to your dog and you give a bowl of chicken breast or beef to your dog and see which one your dog's going after. So people do it. Dogs can be vegetarian, cats cannot. Cats are obligate Carnivores understood obligate carnivores. Dogs can be omnivores; they can eat either one. But I like to, you know, give them what they like, whatever it is that you like. If you can add, you know, a mixture to it and then and freeze it, then that's fine. All beef hot dogs, people do that. They get really hard, they get chewy, but they're totally digestible. And if it's all beef, it's usually pretty safe. Uh, let's see. Inflow. Can I walk by first third vaccine? That's right, a great question. So the answer is yes and no. like that. All right. So my rule of thumb is you're vaccinated eight, 12 and 16 weeks. After the 12 week, all right, you can go into maybe just on your block. Okay. Again, making sure there's no poop or something in the ground. If it is avoided or pick it up, hopefully your neighbors are responsible and they pick up after their dogs, but not until after. And when I say after, I mean, four or so or five days after, because you still have to, you, you just gave a shot you got to give it a chance to to build up, to work and to build up the immunity. Now, as far as public places like a dog park or Third Street Promenade or the Grove or um, the beach where a lot of people take their dogs, then you you want to wait till the, the, the series is completed, which is the four to five days after the 16 week shot. So you keep them really, really put. Now, one thing I have to add that the key socialization takes place between. Eight and eighteen weeks of age, you just start your vaccines at eight. If you wait till eighteen, which now you're done sixteen, that you could do it. That only gives you two weeks. That's not enough time. So, what you want to do to socialize, you want to start right away. But for that, you want to do it with dogs that you know. Have them come to your house. You go to their house. They're well vaccinated. They're well protected. You know them well. Maybe another family member. If you have multiple dogs, that's perfect. But Still not mingling with strange dogs until after the full set, but you can walk them as long as you avoid, as I said, poop and you know areas that look soiled after the twelve-week shot. That would be okay. All right. Uh, good morning, Rogue. Good morning, Sis. Let's see. I'm dealing with non-recognition aggression in my twin two-year-old cats. It's lasted a month. So you know, cats are kind of funny when it comes to these behavior issues. I often joke I would rather deal with a cat's major surgical or medical problem than I would a cat's behavior problem. They are tough to figure out. You, um, What I would do is one more the aggressive than the other. You want to keep them separate. One thing you can do is put to sort of level the playing field, and I've heard this done, it works often, is you take the submissive cat and you put it in a carrier in the middle of a room, one of those completely protected. And you let the, the dominant cat in the same room, they need to be in the same room and they're submissive cat's protected because it's in the carrier or the, you know, the, you get one of those crates that's all steel so they could see all all around it and let them spend 20 minutes, half hour like that. What you do is after a number of days of doing that for maybe, as I said, a half hour at a time, now you switch it and you put the dominant cat inside that crate and let the submissive cat walk around and be free outside. And that sort of the levels of playing field a little bit, and that might help. Another thing, one time when cats are really more involved in their activity instead of fighting or being aggressive or, and submissive, or whatever, is during eating. So what you do is you feed them in the same room, but start really far apart, totally different ends of the kitchen. And each two, three days, you bring the food bowls a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. You get it every couple of days, bring them closer until they can start eating near each other. Then there are the punishments, which I'm not a big fan of. People use a water, a squirt gun, a water spray uh, that if dominant cat starts to really pick on the submissive one, then you you could spray them and uh, see if that works too. And then lastly, the drugs. And for that, you have to talk to a veterinarian, some of the like you know things like amitriptyline, Elevil, Buspar, Prozac, uh, sometimes we have to do that for these cats as well, just to kind of you know, as I said level the playing field. All right, let me just wave Janice, hi. So this week while I'm uh, we're here, we, I had a really disturbing case. Some of you may have seen it already. Tiffany, hello, Some of you may have seen this already or heard about it. It is so disappointing and I want to share it with you for a number of reasons and first of all provide potential solution, but here's the the brunt of it a 14-month-old, magnificent Doberman. I often joke that he really was a Doberman who read the Golden Retriever book by mistake. He was the sweetest dog and just a love. he come in just full of hugs and licks, and he was so sweet. No, there was nothing classic Doberman about him other than his size, and he's, he was a stunning dog. So he is was a puppy. Oh, what do puppies do? Just talked about They eat everything. And he was taken to emergency on a weekend because he had been having one of those big knotted ropes with the bone at the end of it. And he was chewing on it and literally chewing it and start the vomit and vomit some more and vomit some more. Started getting really, really weak. So she took him, I'm closed on the weekends. She took him to one of the, we'll get to that one, Tiffany. It's a good one. One of the emergency, probably the largest emergency facility in Los Angeles. On Sepulveda, and you know a bunch of specialists all over the place, and the dog is vomiting even while it's there. And as it's vomiting, it's vomiting up some of that rope. And at the beginning, they could not control the vomiting; it was really nonstop, and it was spitting up rope most of the times when it was vomiting. So they take an X-ray, which is appropriate, very appropriate, and the X-ray pattern is screaming, and I mean screaming blockage. All right, all the intestinal loops were distended, full of gas. Or possibly fluid. But what that tells you is that when the gas can't go through, it can't go through for a reason. So it gets backed up. And with it being backed up, the intestinal loops start distending. And this abdomen was full of this distension. And the intern, I believe it was an intern, wanted to th- thought that they should cut. But the policy here, which I totally disagree with, we won't call the surgeon in until we get the okay by the radiologist. And apparently they, now mind you, this dog is vomiting nonstop. And they call the radiologist. They send the pictures to the radiologist who says, no, I could see the distension. It's probably because of the irritation. It's what we call ileus, where there's no gastric muscular movement propelling the ingesta. And even though they circled something that looked a little bit, a little bit, they didn't think that was causing a block. And they would not give the green light. They say, just treat it get it on fluids, which they had already done, control the vomiting, and take some x-rays in the morning, and we'll see if if things are moving. P.S., the owner keeps calling, just wants to know how the dog is doing, and she doesn't hear back from them for a couple of hours. Finally, at 5 a.m., she calls, talks to the the intern who was on the case, who says that, no, resting comfortably, more alert, obviously getting fluids, and finally stopping the vomiting. She hangs up. She's now feeling a little better. And Then what happens? They call her five minutes later, dog arrested, They tried to save it. Dies. Whoa, that's unbelievable. Because when I saw the X-rays, I said, "You need this dog needs to be cut now." And I've also shown these X-rays to two other board-certified internal medicine specialists. And guess what they said? The same thing. This is a blocked gut. So they wanted to do a postmortem, a necropsy, an autopsy. And I said, "Absolutely, do not let them touch this dog." Because now I don't trust them. And I didn't want them to say, no, there was nothing, everything's fine. So they put the dog on ice. They brought it to me. Monday, I posted this dog on Monday. And guess what I found? I found, first of all, tons of clumps of this rope. I thought it was fabric or a towel, but now when talking to the owner, I realized it's part of that rope, the rope toy, and a fairly good size, solid, very hard structure. Could be the bone. Could be something else the dog ate. And it is just sitting there blocking. As soon as I removed it, guess what? All the gas and fluid started rushing through. And this is a crime. And you know, often in cases like this, I have to ask myself, and we're oftentimes faced with decisions like this. And you have to say, okay, what are the ramifications of doing this exploratory surgery and finding out you didn't need to versus not doing it and finding out you needed to. Well, the answer now is clear, a dead dog. If you did it and you find nothing, at least you knew that it was okay. Yes, there's gonna be an expense. Yes, there's gonna be a little healing, but if you don't have to cut anything, there's really no healing. It's just basically opening up the belly and closing the belly after you've, you do, it was called running the, the bowel. We run all the way from the stomach Small intestine, the ileum, the the, the jejunum, the colon, and then all the way out. And if it's nothing in there that seems like blocking, so it's ileus, but at least now we know. But when you don't explore and you don't know, but you think you know, that's the problem. And I always say, all right, knowing what you know is very important. Knowing what you don't know, that's even more important than that. But what gets you into trouble when you don't know what you don't know? And they did not know. And therefore, uh, they didn't know. They didn't know it. They thought they knew it. They thought this dog would be okay. And now we have a 14-month-old, magnificent, dead dog. And disturbs me so. Now, what do you do in a situation like this? Well, first of all, the smart thing is you don't leave your dog alone with any kind of toys. And if they start chewing a toy, like tearing it apart, take it away. Do not. Do not let them play with it and never leave them alone with it. That's a simple. That's called prevention. And prevention is sometimes way better. Than solving the problem. Okay, now, but let's say you're in a situation like that where you're being told one thing by someone, someone else tells you something else, get a quickly get another opinion, send those x rays to another radiologist, go on to AirVet. If I got that call beforehand, I would have said, cut, you got to cut. Something's blocking that. I, I don't see ileus with this much gas, certain loops of bowel, yeah, but not the entire intestine. And not only that, with the history of this dog eating junk and eating bones, and eating rope. How much more do you need? Anyway, very disappointing. I feel so sorry for the dog named Samson, for the owners for sure, people I've known for a long time. It is just inexcusable. It really is. So I hope none of you ever experience anything like that. All right, Tiffany, why did my American bulldog keep peeing on my furniture? Well, first of all, sometimes they're telling you something. You want to make sure when they start peeing in inappropriate places, just you want that to start with make sure there's not a, there's no infection. Other than that, when they start peeing, all right, oftentimes they're drawn to the scene of their crime. So if the smell is there, right, they will want to pee on it again, as if almost it's like when dogs go outside and grass, right? They will often sniff, 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 and then they will lift their leg and pee. So if they pick up the scent, even if it's their own of another dog, they want to do that. So uh, getting a really really good odor neutralizer could help. And maybe keeping him away from that area, from that couch for now, all right? And uh, until you know all the smells are gone, walk him a little bit more frequently. But you know we should see him just first. I want to make sure he doesn't have a urinary tract infection because oftentimes dogs that are, as I said, it's inappropriate urination. It's either behavior or we want to make sure it's not medical. So just to at least run a check on the urine to make sure there's no urinary tract infection would be a place to start. So, um, uh, give me a call during the week, and we will set that up. Best treatment for hot spots. So, hot spots—we call it moist eczematous dermatitis—and um, I'm going to leave you hanging because I'm looking at Mark, who's giving me the evil eye. Uh, we're over 15 minutes into the show. It's time for a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll come back. We're going to talk about treatment for hot spots. on These great journey. do not go away. Take a bite out of your competition. So this question, we talked about the hotspot uh, over here on Instagram, but this is we're talking about an older dog that may need surgery. And I said last week that it's better to operate on a senior dog and extend their life while people say, well, he's 15. And, and here's, here's the criteria. If the dog is in really good shape and can, we believe can withstand the surgery, then the anesthesia, go for it. Or you have to ask them if it's a problem that's more aesthetic. The dog is doing just fine. Perfect example, a lipoma. Okay, fatty tumor, benign, it's big, but the dog doesn't seem bothered by it. Then is it worth the risk? What are you going to gain by removing the lip- lipoma if the dog is already doing fine? So, in that case, I would probably leave it um, or have a big discussion about the pros and cons. Now, let's say it's a tumor that's not a benign tumor, it's a malignant tumor that's already ruptured, already bleeding, and you know that you'll need to put this poor dog to sleep within the next week or so if you do nothing. This is exactly the scenario, okay, with my last dog, okay, at Grover. And we went ahead and I did the surgery. Actually, the day of his 15th birthday, the surgery was arguably a success. By that, I mean, it was a very extensive, deep tumor going through the body. I could not get it all. I got about 85, 90% of it, but then put him on a really wonderful drug called Palladia, which took care of the rest of it. And this amazing dog, I love it, went to 16 and a half. So And I've had Labradors for, I have one now, for over well over 50 years, and I've never had one live this long. Uh, Woody made it to 13 and a half, and I think that was the oldest. Um, a couple of made it to 12, one or two of them made it to 11. So 16 and a half, I was blessed. So anyway, I am an advocate to go ahead and 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 do everything you can. No, AirVet is who you should call. call if you are stuck, you need a second opinion wherever you are, and you can't get a hold, go on to AirVet. And um, you'll be talking to one of our 2,000 vets on the platform within minutes, show them the x-ray and, and just just get some more opinions. But I mean, I, would have, I did give the opinion, this dog needs to be cut. I totally disagreed with, with the radiologist, but you're in a tough position because apparently it was a board-certified radiologist. She said they showed it to another one as well who agreed. So now we have two. Now, what does that tell you, by the way, about specialists who don't do surgery? Okay. They don't know. Interesting, when I talk to the internist who's managing cases like this, they'll send it to surgery. If I talk to a surgeon, 100% surgery. So these radiologists, they're not, no. And if I don't know if they got the full history. Do they know this dog was vomiting every 10 minutes and stuff was coming out? I mean, for that to happen, you know, he ate a bunch of this stuff. So it makes total sense that some of this stuff and something other. And that thing they found, and actually one of the radiologists circled it. He goes, well, and another thing, less likely would be an obstruction. I'm thinking you just circled the bad guy. You just circled that bone that I pulled out of there that was causing the blockage. And you're saying less likely obstruction? Uh, I don't know, not happy. All right, never pees or number two on our walks. Ah, so Tiffany, that's the thing. So what you need to do is do a walk, maybe make it a little longer come home for like five or 10 minutes or put him outside, all right? And just kind of watch as he lift his leg outside in the yard and then maybe take him out another time and see what happens when you literally block him out of that room. So you've, you've given him ample opportunity to go outside, ample opportunity to go on a walk and he has no access to that couch. So, um, so that's important. Give it a shot. Yes, any kind of medicated powder. Powder is good too. We're going back to the hotspot question. Yes, very good to do that because. It's drying. In fact, one of my favorite powders is called Neo Pred F powder. You can get it online, N E O, and then P R E D E F powder. It's anti inflammatory, anti fungal, anti itch, you name it, it's anti. But because it's a powder, it is very absorbing. I love it for what we call skin fold pyodermis in the fronties, the bulldogs that get all the, the masses in the face. It's fantastic. Tail fold pyodermis, which is infections in the tail folds. Anytime you have any of these areas that are moist, I love it. So yeah, try the gold bond. That's probably a really good idea. Uh, must be a new radiologist. Yeah, maybe. And also, the thing is, the radiologist was in France, you know, because they have radiology. You know, radiology you can do, you know, virtually. So you know, this was five in the morning. So this was some, whatever it was in France. I don't know. I don't know. You got first of all my opinion with something like this. You got to see the dog. And this is a big argument I have all the time. I am not a fan of academic medicine. Say it out there. I'll yell it out, scream. I am a fan of practical medicine. When you're dealing with something like this, that's why I love AirVet. You need to see the dog. I don't treat tests. I don't treat x-rays. You got to treat the pet. Look at the pet in front of you. How sad does it look? How tender is the abdomen? Is he still vomiting? And when you get all these things, yes, yes, yes. And no, you guys, you got to go in. Got to see what's going on. So I am, you know, very, very frustrated when these decisions are being made by someone who's, you know, six thousand miles away for one thing and didn't even see the dog. They're looking at an x-ray. You can't really judge. I look at tests all the time. And I, for example, this the classic was I use years and years when Parvo is hot. Or I have a dog coming in that is vomiting and diarrhea, dehydrated. And you do, your are sure it's Parvo. You do the Parvo test and the Parvo test is negative. Are you going to send that dog home? Heck no. You're going to get him on IVs. You're going to treat him, you're, right? Conversely, you have a dog that it's littermate coming down with Parvo. This dog runs in the door. He's jumping. He's happy. He can't wait for his next meal. He's not doing anything wrong, but you test his poop and it's Parvo positive. Are you going to hospitalize this dog and treat him with IVs? Heck no. You don't treat just the test. You keep an eye on him. You let him know we came back positive. It just could be transient. Two days now, he might be negative. Let's watch him. But as long as he's still eating and happy and playful and drinking, we're not going to let him sit in a hospital. So, this is why I'm not a fan of treating tests. I want to treat the pet. I want to see. I want to feel. I want to talk to the owner directly, not look, be 6,000 miles away and look at an X ray and make a diagnosis that ultimately was this dog's demise. No, it's, it's wrong. Absolutely wrong. Betagen for hotspots, yes, that could work. Now, the one thing about Betagen, it's often used, and I know it's used, and it has the anti-inflammatories, et cetera, et cetera. But just as a warning, Betagen is in an alcohol base with moist, raw lesions. You spray it on, and it stings. So I am not a huge fan of it. I would love to see the same ingredients in a water base. I think that would be much wiser. The same reason we don't put alcohol in open wounds is why I don't like spraying betagen on a hotspot. But the ingredients inside are potentially Neopret F powder. Uh, yeah, it's neo is one word, P-R-E-D-E-F, not I-F. And if you can get it online, it's not, we're on back order now. So if you can get it, get it. It's a great thing. All right. So once again, went over my time. I'm getting dirty looks and uh, from Mark, but, but this is so much fun, isn't it? So don't have a big mouth. I am very opinionated. I know it. And um, I hope you guys don't mind. Certain subjects just get me nuts. And I this is how I react. But I make a lot of sense, at least I think so. You know, when I serve as an expert witness, and I do that often, someone, jerk lawyer once asked me for the opposition, how many times I've done this? I said, probably I don't know, maybe six, 10 times. Not often, often. And um, he said, have you ever been to court? And I said, I said, no. He, he laughed. <laughs> How come? I said, because every one of the cases settled after my deposition. He goes, well, not this time. P.S. Long deposition, two and a half hours. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and <laughs> our lawyer that I'm working with gets a call the next day. Guess what? They want to settle. It was so funny. So anyway, Mark, thank you so much. Those of you, if you have any questions during the week, don't wait for Sunday. I'm available. Just send them to me to drjeff, Jeff at petliferadio.com. You can also go back and look at old shows because we have a lot of them. So you want to look at some old shows, please do. Those of you are on Instagram, you know how to find me anytime during the week. And um, I love doing this. I love helping you out. So um, if you have any questions, you can always reach me. I'd love to talk to you, help you with your pets. If you need after-hours care, go to AirVet, okay? It'll help you so much, all right? We you, we have vets available 24-7. And uh, when you have something like this, I, I, I just irks me so much so therefore we want to try to help you out so Airbet will help you this is not over by the way this case is not over i'm doing some more homework i'm sending out sending the x-rays to another independent radiologist not associated with this company and we are going to uh get it's Dr. Jeff at drjeff.com or at petliferadio.com so all right and that's it so um oh by the way i'm still just curious when you want to chime in Nespresso or curing Who's the winner? <laughs> I, I will see you guys next Next week, you'll tell me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.